everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Ren Marabou. How are you, Ren? Great, man. Yourself? Jack Penders. How you doing? And John Murphy, my fellow Corkman. Hey, Richie. <laughs> I was just saying to the, to the earlier there, John, that fucking the hair is out of control with you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm lucky I still have it, sure, I suppose. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, always a talk of fucking being old in this show, man. <laughs> what uh, what classifies as old? I'm apparently one of the vulnerable now because I'm over 50. <laughs> no luck a day over 30, Reggie. Ah, jazz, no. <laughs> Would you believe that? Yeah. So I think I can get my COVID vaccination in June if all goes well. Nice. So that'd be fucking great, man. Mm. You're waiting a while yet, but yeah. It'll be good when we get the numbers up on the, on the vaccines, for sure. Yeah. I must say, I love the Celtic weave there above your head, John. Is that new? No, that's uh, many years old. I picked that up in, in, in Wacken about 15 years ago, I think, for like a tenner. I don't know how I fitted it in with the tent and the, the sleeping <laughs> bag, but there's another one over on the... I'm up in the, the pitch, of a, the pitch of, a, of, a, of, of, of a barn here, so I have to... I, basically, I haven't plastered the ceiling. So I have to cover it with something. So that was as good as good as good a thing as any. Whatever works. Yeah, yeah, it looks class. <laughs> That's just bizarre. You got it in whacking of all fucking yeah, places. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it might have been the backdrop to one of your bands or something like you know. No, no, no. It's just uh, there's a, there's another one you can't see over here as well. So it's just covering plasterboard. That's all it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> the Indian headdresses. There was ones for sale over in Bloodstock. Not as not the same quality, obviously, but I still went. Jesus Christ! Imagine trying to bring that back from Bloodstock. You know, with all your shitty fucking clothes and everything fucked into one bag. Like you'd have to wear it on your head coming into the airplane. I bet you, man. Uh, Fuck's sake. <laughs> So anyway, we're here and we're all uh, celebrating your solo projects, lads. Um, fair foxy, I must say. You know, it's it's a situation over the last two years where live performances have stopped, obviously. And um, for someone like yourselves, maybe we could start with you, Ren. You were part of bands for a long, long time and then you decided to head out on your own then. Would you kind of give a yeah. background into... Yeah, do you know what? It's funny because I keep getting people asking me now, do you miss the bands and all that? And yeah, I do. <laughs> I miss the, the the crack with the lads and the camaraderie, but it was a bit out of necessity, yeah. Like, I suppose I was in Kerouac and Marabou and then Paralysis was just starting to get rolling and then boom, virus. <laughs> yeah. So that was the end of that. So I was out of necessity out of, to keep me sanity. I was like, do you know what? I have the room on the side of the house. I'll start recording and keep myself sane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like the output, I mean, you're about to release probably, is it your roughly fourth album in a I year? Think this, will, this will be the fifth one about Misanthropic, yeah. How many years? <laughs> it, I started, last May, I think I released my first EP, yeah. <laughs> Some output, man. And a lot of those songs, Ren, we'll say in the first EP, I presume you had them for a while, had you? Um, the first EP, yeah, I just kind of threw that together. I'd done it as cheap as possible. I think the dearest microphone I used in that was a tenor. <laughs> and it was all cheap, free software. And I just said, ah, I'll throw something out to keep me going. But then people liked it. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll put a proper one out and 
then I was like, went into full Devin Townsend mode, thinking I was Devin Townsend for a while. <laughs> I'll go down that route, you know what I mean? But, and your, your main fourth day would be guitar anyway, yeah? Guitar all the way for me, vocals, yeah. Yeah, and um, like how difficult was it just to kind of understand and get to know the kind of software that's out there to help you create new yeah, music? I'll- I was lucky because I kind of, with Kerouac and stuff, we used to record our own albums anyway. Oh, right, so, okay. Yeah, and I went to Ballyforma and we'd done a bit of music production there too, you know, so, mm. you know. I got, I got, I kind of had all that kind of waiting in the wings and never really used it. So right. I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll just buy a few bits of software, a bit of equipment and give it a go. Yeah, it's amazing what's, what what a guy can do these days, especially, I mean, I suppose there's plenty of stuff as well on YouTube, you know, yeah. if you get stuck to figure shit out with that, is there? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's where I picked up uh, the guitar sound. I've been using um, the chat from Gojera's plugin. That's a monster. So oh. I actually, yeah, if that was a YouTube ad, use <laughs> 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 this, Ren, <laughs> you know. Fucking hell. And Jack, what about you? Again, history with bands? Oh, I've been I've been in bands in kind of various forms since I was about 10 years old um, and kind of started off more as a vocalist than anything. I was in like a black and death metal band, uh, band called Dead Aeon for about, yeah, about maybe 10 years or so. Um, and then going into like various studios and stuff and kind of just seeing that kind of side of it always kind of really interested me. Um, I eventually, I, I was playing drums as well throughout that time and eventually joined a band as a drummer um, and went to college to study drums and stuff like that. And eventually the, the death metal band stopped. Um, the, the band that I drum for is still going, but we've always been more of a, like, not really a live band, more of a kind of a, you know, like, just kind of, I guess we're more of a studio band now, but it's it's very kind of, it would be on the metal side. It would have been a bit closer to like, like kind of a proggy kind of alternative rock thing, like close to the likes of like Carnival and stuff like that. Um, but throughout all of that, I kind of like, I've always had this mental interest in recording and about three years ago, um, decided to just say, right, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm just going to like deep dive into this and kind of just learn how to do everything that I kind of, I've, I've seen done in studios and stuff. Um, and obviously like kind of through that, like I've all like, I was playing guitar and stuff as well, just kind of like a multi-instrumentalist kind of thing. Um, And obviously when you're learning to record, you start recording yourself. um, And eventually you just amass this amount of material. Um, So I decided to kind of just pursue this kind of thing completely on my own to see how much I can do, how kind of high of a quality I can get it. Um, And decided to kind of do multiple things at once. So like... I started writing kind of what I was really comfortable with, which was the kind of heavy kind of death metal side of things. And mm. when I'd hit a wall creatively with that, I'd jump over to this other thing that I was doing, kind of like a kind of ambient cinematic, but still kind of progressive kind of rock metal instrumental kind of thing. And it meant that like, I was never kind of like stuck on one place. As soon as I hit a wall with one, just jump straight over to the other. Cause it's a completely different vibe and you keep going. Mm. Um, and that kind of naturally ends up in you having a load of material that's loads of different kind of genres and stuff. So I decided to kind of just make like a banner um, that I could just release all of my solo stuff on, regardless of what it was, regardless of if it was heavy, if it was light, if it was whatever. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of been my my vibe for the past 
three years and thankfully kind of lockdown has allowed me to really just kind of deep dive properly into it and kind of learn as much as I can. Yeah, and the uh, title is Rot Lost. How would you come at that? That was just, um, I think I was in really into Wardruna at the time and just kind of saw that word and kind of like, I, I, I love kind of like looking up translations of, of those kind of like lyrics to see kind of what, obviously I can't speak Norwegian and stuff like that. So just kind of see what they're saying. And Rotlaus kind of came up because it's, it's like one of the words on one of their tracks, obviously it, it translate as, translates as rootless. So it kind of mean, it kind of like represents what my idea was in the sense that it's mm. not just rooted in one genre. It could literally be anything that comes out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And John, again, I was in bands, but, for you, it was a lot more different because you hadn't really any access to your band members. So despite you not wanting to be a solo artist, uh, you had to go down that route. Would that be? Well, I guess if I go back, I mean, the first gig I ever played was in was in like fifth year in school in 91 or 92. And I was a drummer originally. And I'm still, I still masquerade as a drummer. There's a drummer in front of me. There's a drum kit here, right, right here in, in in the studio, and that's kind of what I started with. And when I was about 15, I picked up guitar, and but I was playing in an indie band all the way through, through uh, through college and stuff, and just as the drummer. But I, I was always writing for that band, and but I was always into heavier music than that. What that band was actually playing, and uh, and I suppose in about 90, uh, I don't know, 95 or six, seven maybe. I started, uh, I had one of these little four-track Porta Studios, Tascam Porta Studios, where you put a cassette into it and you could record two tracks on one side and two on the other. And so you'd, you'd, uh, you'd end up uh, flipping the tape around and putting the tape into another machine so you could play back and then overdub over it because I didn't, you, you know, multi-track recording in the mid-90s was just <laughs> something for, for, for the other, other people, you know. I bought, um, I remember buying a Yamaha 16-track desk, a digital desk. Um, and I, you know, in college, I, I was the vice president of the Music Society for a while, and we got a budget from, from CIT, as it was at the time, to buy a little lot of equipment. So I bought, you know, basic recording gear, again, a, a multi-track recorder and some speakers, and they gave us a room out in a porta cabin in, uh, I guess this would have been, uh, 98 or 9 so on the weekends I used to go in there and record record the college bands you know so the gear was all there I'd charge them 50 quid or something like that because I was getting experience doing it they got a demo out of it and nobody had to pay the overheads so that was a really great learning experience for me and um, it meant that I was kind of used to working on my own and I was just totally self-taught and all that time in the background, the the, the uh, digital recording technology, the softwares, the Cubases and the Pro Tools, they were all evolving over that that, that sort of time. And um, uh, like like I said, I was always a drummer. I was playing guitar and I was playing bass. And I was, you know, um, always recording myself and writing, writing myself. And it was always kind of heavier stuff. And we moved on from the Porta Studio four track thing, as I said, to, to, you know, gradually better and better things and starting to record in studios then with ADAP machines where you'd have to sync up the tape machines together. And uh, uh, even, even, even then in the early nineties, there wasn't Pro Tools. You were still recording to ADAP. There was no, there was no waveforms to look at on screen. It was, um, 
It was interesting Jesus. to say the least. <laughs> Alien um, concept, and, lads. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I look at it now, and I mean, of course, I was, uh, I, I do remember people recording on tape. I never did record the tape, but that was only a few years before that. And when I think back to what people had to do then, compared to what we have today, where each of all the four of us on the screen can record digitally to our PC right now in infinite numbers of tracks, you can, you can get Reaper and it costs you nothing. Uh, you know, or you can you can pay subscriptions to Pro Tools or, or buy Cubase or any any of the others, and a half decent interface for a couple of hundred mm. quid, and you can record top quality stuff. You know, um, and you know, Ren mentioned the the, the uh, Gojira plugin. If you think back to what plugins were like when Amplitude yeah. came out, you know, <laughs> three years ago or whatever it was, they didn't sound anything oh. like the real thing. And what you can get now for 99 euro is just fucking staggering. They're so good, people are starting to use them live. The technology has improved to, to, to the nth degree since those kind of days. And, uh, and coming back to your question, I mean, around um, 2003 or four, I, I finished a way too long stint in college and I, I moved to Spain for a while and I had recorded a bunch of demos um, uh, uh, in Cork before I left and I released it as the first Faroon demo and it was really really raw I recorded the drums in my parents house on like two microphones and it sounded shitty uh, I moved to Spain and then I, I got into program drums so the first couple of demos have program drums on them and you can, you, can, you can really hear it now but they at least it was something I could control I was living in a small apartment I couldn't record drums you know um, and uh, like so many others, it's to bed the bedroom, you know, producer thing. So that's why the first few releases that I did were just me on my own, just me on my Todd. And shortly after I came back from Spain in early 2006, um, uh, I had these 10 songs and I showed them to, to a bunch of friends and that put together the first Faroon lineup. So that kind of put, put, put the end to the, the solo, the solo thing at that stage. That was it then until 2013, really, there was a full lineup. Uh, until like seven years ago, I took a five or six year hiatus. Then after that, because of work work reasons. But even during all that time, uh, I moved house and renovated the studio I'm sitting in now. So all the time, still focused on recording myself and building up way too much gear around <laughs> myself and getting getting into debt because of it. But always still, um, you know, always still demoing songs and then providing them to the band and the ba the lads would pick it apart and we change this and and that and. Uh, and that's that's the same whether I'm talking about Faroon, which we're talking about now, or the grief stuff as well. The 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 other doom band I'm playing in, and um, you know, like um, Ren talked about all the stuff he's done in the past year. Like we've put out, I've managed to put out forty P's in the space of the past eight in in the past past year as well, and two compilation albums. So the ability to do this, I don't know how I'd have got through the last year and a half if I didn't have this facility. I'm sure yeah. the lads would, would agree. It's just been a, you know, a nice creative out, but given that we can't play live, at least you can, you can go into your, your man cave and, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you've released a solo project, but how much of it is an actual solo project? Um, I know Jack, you gave a big shout out to Dave Redmond for helping you. What part did he play? Oh, Dave would be, he's the, the keyboardist of my, the band I was telling you about, the, the band that I drum for. So he's he's fairly integral in the sense that um, once I kind of like have, say, about 80 to 90% of the song there, he kind of comes over and we add kind of more production, more kind of like he's very good at the, the kind of more kind of orchestral things, electronic things. 
Um, and it's essentially, we just take my session and just start, it's essentially like throwing paint at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, and it, it's kind of just more taking it up to another level. Um, the whole idea of kind of my project is that it's, I kind of like, I get a chance to kind of write by myself, but think, okay, who do I know that kind of suits this? That's why the, the track that I sent you has, actually has the vocalist of that band doing the vocals for it, that kind of thing. Um, although the, like a lot of the stuff I will do, like my, my upcoming album is pretty much completely solo apart from like a few guests and stuff like that. But Dave is kind of like, if there was, if, if there was any reason why I guess my album wouldn't be considered a solo album, it would be because of him, because it's, it's just that extra layer of like depth that he brought the, the kind of more kind of, cinematic thing and it's just because myself and him kind of work really really well together we'd be the main kind of like songwriters of our band yeah um one of those situations where as soon as both of us get in a room something is going to come out of it it doesn't really matter it's it's going to happen it's just that kind of chemistry um so yeah he's he's kind of like he he kind of adds that last layer of just you know just depth and intrigue i think Mm. what about you ren yeah, no, I'm just in here in my man cave 24-7. <laughs> just throwing stuff down all the time. And have you got someone to bounce ideas off of? Um, just just like people on the label and stuff like that. You know, they, they give me ideas just talking to them and stuff. But nah, like, I just have so much. I just need to get it out. <laughs> you know, my brain's about to explode without getting to rehearse and stuff with the band. And so I'm Not just... No, exactly. No, the missus just li- just kind of like shoved me away this year. She's like, "You stay in there, don't come out." <laughs> you know. So she's had a nice year. <laughs> and how did the relationship with Misanthropic Records? Yeah. Oh well. Come about? Um, yeah, they they somehow got in touch with me and started having a you know a bit of a conversation about where I was thinking of going, what they could offer, and. I just seemed like a perfect fit, you know. The boys are great over there, so I'm planning on going over next year, maybe do a little tour in America, so I can't wait for that. <laughs> so I'll probably take, you know, musicians from the label over there to play with me and stuff. You're nearly on the verge, or is it May the 1st? Yeah. Valhalla Waits, is it? Yeah, that would be the first one with Misanthropics, yeah. And what made you go Viking? Ah, do you know what? It's, it's been something that I've been trying to get going for for a long time. Even the Paralysis logo has the three Odin horns. I've tried to sneak that in. I don't even know if the boys <laughs> even knew that. <laughs> They'll probably see this now and go, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been something I've been mad about for a long time, my beliefs and the whole lot. And I know for sure that any band I brought to would have shot it down. <laughs> they would have been like, no way, man. So... When I started the solo stuff, I was gradually working my way up to it. And I was like, you know what? It's time. <laughs> it's time to... Re- Your yeah. previous release, uh, what was it? Uh, Ultra Mega was very um, influenced by Soundgarden. Yeah. Um, Nirvana, Deftones. That would so, be I mean, my, yeah. it definitely caught people on the hop for you to go... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, was actually write, I was writing both of them albums at the same time, really. And I was like... Well, I bought a release on this one, and then I was going to make a double album. It's like, oh, it'd be weird. And then I said, ah, I'll just release this one like a month later. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> With you, Jack, as well, Plagueborn, when I heard that, I was just going, holy fuck, this is unbelievable. What a great track. You kind of went in 
to Covenant, which is your new release, Covenant, and it was just like nine inch nails, ambient soundscapes, and I was just going, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like I was saying earlier, like Ren was saying, it seems to be the key to constant creativity is to always be working on kind of complete opposite kind of size of things. Mm. It just, it really, like, I can't imagine just sitting there and focusing on one thing. And then when I hit a wall, like what, what happened, what do I do? Do I just stop working for a while? No, I'll be able to actually jump over in a completely different headspace and work on something completely different. And I guess that's, that's the, the idea of it. That, um, and the song that I sent you is, is, is kind of still an example of that. It's, it's more rooted in the whole kind of Deftones kind of vibe of the kind of, that kind of alternative metal kind of thing. And then, I'm I'm in the middle of tracking vocals for just a really really horrible sounding death metal band, more like kind of the likes of Plagueborn, my first kind of single, and that that's like a full album of just Plagueborn essentially. So okay, and John, listening to the two lads there, has there been times where they've wanted to stray away from the kind of doom sound that you've I suppose lived with? And- well. I guess I, I can kind of com- compartmentalize at, at the moment I'm writing for one of one of two bands. If it's generally what depends on what comes out. If it's a fast song, it goes in the Faroon bucket. <laughs> and if it's a kind of a gloomy Paradise Lost riff, it ends up in the grief bucket, you know. And and um, uh, I can kind of categorize them fairly, fairly easily. I mean, in the past, I've written kind of spacey, atmospheric things as well. And, and uh, you know, there's a whole folder of that stuff sitting there that I really haven't done much with so I you know I'm I am a big fan of a lot of kind of industrial stuff but I've never I've never felt the need to to or to create that kind of music I'm which is what comes out comes out in in general it's kind of melancholic uh melancholic stuff and and particularly in the last year and a half so it's, there's, there's more doom <laughs> coming out I've, I've, I've written about half half a dozen doom songs in the last year that I've just passed on to the lads I said here you are look chew on those and see what you think so there's a bunch of grief songs written uh out of out of just the circumstances we found ourselves in but um but no, I, I don't, I, I certainly, I mean, that can change, but I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to produce a Nine Inch Nails album in the next, uh, in the next That'd year. That'd be interesting, man, sure. if you did. Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of that stuff or, um, you know, Rammstein or a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff, ministry and all that kind of stuff. But I, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it, it never grabbed me as something, as something I, I mm. want to do. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to listen to uh, John's track here. It's In Vain, it's called, and it's off Relapse. So we'll give it a spin there.
That was uh, great, John. That surprised me as well because a lot of your vocals are really heavy, and to have that really prominent, clean vocal—it's—it's it's completely different to the other nine songs that I've I've put out this year, or this past year, and it's—it's um, it's very simple, very straight ahead for, uh, structure, and and uh, more commercial, for want of a better phrase. The rest of it is much yeah. more aggressive, and uh, I just like to do stuff like that. I. I Recorded two songs out of the ten, eight or ten I've released, and that, that have clean, you know, clean vocals most of the way through. Way through, because I've done, um, you know, whatever it is, fifteen, <laughs> nearly twenty years of rolling. Yeah. So it's time, it's time for some, something a bit different. So that one is clean the whole way through, and. Uh, you know, it's just different for me. The rest of the songs are all growling, and I'll growl yeah. again. I don't mind. <laughs> but uh, any, any, anything for for a change. The opening track, "The Vote," as well. We reviewed it on the forums. There, um, just great as well, man. The Gregorian chanting. Yes, nice, <laughs> it's just completely different, and uh, I, you know, I welcome it, man. It's a great EP, John. Fair play. Good stuff, thanks, yeah. Ryan, vocally-wise as well, did you have to change much your style in relation to approaching the whole Viking aspect of it? 
Actually, yeah. Well, it, it kind of felt more natural for me. Like I have. Okay. For years, I just I, had, I used to be described as like singing like a bear. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like you know, I'll, I'll, you know, my inner bear, my inner uh, <laughs> air bear. Yeah. <laughs> give that a whirl, you know, because I actually went a bit lighter there for the I say the first, second, third album leading up to the Viking stuff, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, it was just like more melodic, more singing. And like back in like Maribel and Kerouac, it was all about the screams, <laughs> you know. Track the Wanderer there as well. I mean, vocally wise, I'm hearing Alice Cooper, they're smashing pumpkins yeah. thrown in there as <laughs> well, man. It's uh, very interesting with producing Viking metal as such. There's always the, the impression that you could go and do the old Amon Amart. But I mean, that's probably done to death as well. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I've, uh, they were like one of the original inspirations of the whole thing, but bands like Tear and even Winter Sun just kind of open up a little bit more and it doesn't have to be like ferocious the whole time. And I love Ward Rona. Jack was talking about Ward Rona. Oh, I think if I could go in another direction now next, <laughs> that's probably where I'd try, you know. <laughs> but I don't think I could put it off now. But, um, okay, so we'll have a listen to The Wanderer there and uh, give people right. an idea.
I'm a thinking here, man. I don't know about the rest of you, but that will be fucking brilliant live. That'll be yeah. a fucking <laughs> banger live. I can't wait to play that one live, yeah. Yeah, it'll be difficult, to, I think, as well. Would it be to sing? Yeah, it probably will be, yeah. I mean, like, I've, you know, I'll try and get the idea here and have a little rehearsal to myself. But yeah, it'll probably be tough enough, like. Yeah. Um, did you hear any other influences there on that track, lads? I thought I heard a bit of Soundgarden in there. Nice, yeah. This... Yeah, that's definitely what I was hearing, yeah. Especially with that kind of, the, the sludgy kind of riff, almost. A bit of Tim Lizzy yeah. as well, maybe, at the start as well. <laughs> Always a good thing. And that track itself, Ren, was there anything particularly to inspire you with it? It's um, it's kind of like my version of, like, a Christian rock. <laughs> it's like Norse pa- pagan rock. <laughs> Singing about, you know, the god of the mall and all that stuff. <laughs> Fucking works for me anyway. <laughs> so, Jack, the title, Covenant, is it in relation to something or is this? Not necessarily. Right, with, okay. With the, with the all the instrumental stuff, um, the, the good thing about instrumental stuff is that you can yeah. name it literally whatever you want. Like it doesn't like there's no <laughs> lyrics. So you, you really it's it's literally just, OK, this is a cool phrase. Um, with that, it was I was sitting at my desk um, and kind of looked up and there was uh, that film Alien Covenant. There was a poster sitting in front of me. I just went, that's a cool word. And I've played okay, Halo man. before. So cool. I'll have that right at the front. Um, and that was for the song and it was just like obviously when you're looking through like track lists and you're like yeah that kind of that word kind of stands out as it could be a cool album track cool um, so the track you've given me is called The Surface is it? The Surface so The Surface was the single that I released after Covenant um, this is kind of again like I was saying more of like the Deftones kind of vibe and, that, and it's literally just I wanted to write a song like that that's a that kind of that kind of vibe is something that really resonates with me. So um, that and my my vocalist for my other band, again, is very like the same kind of thing. So I wanted to see what would happen if I put him in that environment. If I gave him that kind of vibe, how would he respond? And personally, I think he did a great job. Okay, we'll give it a listen here then. So this is the surface.
Class man, I think both yourself and Ren use uh, synths very yeah. much to your advantage, and it's not something that really would kind of appeal to me much back in the day. But the more over the last few years, I get to appreciate the strengths of having a good synth 
carrying the song as well and the melody in the background once it's not too much <laughs> yeah, in your fucking yeah. face you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, all, it's all to do with context like the with regards to that kind of song like the synth use in those verses is literally just to add just another layer of kind of it's not really like this is the synth part and you need to listen <laughs> to this exactly. Kind of, yeah. yeah exactly that's kind of how I'd use it yeah what you think John did you enjoy that yeah I use I use them all the time as well and you, it, it's it's something that's uh, I notice when it's gone, mm. you know, and, and and then I go, oh, there's a hole there, and it's. It, I always use them not not to be in front, just like like the guys guys were saying there as well, because you know it's metal. It should be guitars and drums and stuff like that. But um, I think maybe a lot of it comes from my love of, of a lot of '80s music as well, where the synth was so strong. I love a lot of like Pet Shop Boys and all of that really strong yeah. synth synth pop stuff. I'm a huge fan of a lot of that. So that's that's somewhere in me. And as a, a lifelong Paradise Lost fan, they were great users in their kind of 90s uh, experimental Depeche Mode phase with, with a lot of synths as well. And I, I love a lot of that. So uh, again, yeah, I, to, to my, my taste, it shouldn't be front and center for, for the kind of music we're, we're playing, but I definitely miss it once it's gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I'm going to put it out to you there. How important is cover art in relation to your projects? Who wants to go? Who wants to take <laughs> this first? Yeah. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Um, so I, I've been working with a guy, um, Stephen Lindsay. Um, he's yeah, shout out to Steve. Steven. Great artist. I've known Steve for a very long time. Um, I met him years and years ago. My band, my death metal band, were supporting Vader um, in, a, in like a random show down in Waterford for some reason. I just We just got a text like, here, do you want to support oh, Vader in Waterford? I was like, of course we do. I did that as well. Um, and Stephen was playing in one of the bands playing that night um, and just and just bumped into him and kind of like you know like that whole thing of kind of got on Adam on Facebook and something and, and you just kind of over the years just kind of saw what he was like up to like kind of art wise and it was really 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 interesting um, and the first kind of thing we worked on was again for my death metal band and it was just this photo he had uploaded for um or college or something it was just this really really interesting it's like a branch with like a mask in it but like essentially the entire like background is blacked out there was loads of strings out of it and stuff it was just really creepy and really interesting and um kind of i, I reached out some item and we were like can we use this for our artwork for one of our singles he was like yeah yeah no worries um and throughout the from there kind of kept more in contact with him and then when it came to actually kind of doing um any kind of work for my personal kind of stuff. I went straight to him. The first thing he did was my logo. And then it's kind of been almost exclusive since, well, like, I'm, I'm like with regards to like kind of the, the, the artwork for the surface is, is actually just a photograph that one of my other mates took, but I've kind of, I've kind of decided like any kind of like main kind of release, either EP or album will, will be kind of exclusively with Steven. Um, Cause especially with the covenant artwork, I think, it was one of those things that like I got done maybe halfway through the process and it kind of defined the rest of it. It was kind of like, okay, now I have a visual to the audio. And again, it's added context. It's, it's kind of, it's like, as soon as you look, it's, it's almost as if you're scoring the, the, the artwork. And as yes. soon as that kind of happened, it was kind of like, okay, everything's coming together. I know what kind of atmosphere I really want for it. So it's, it's incredibly important, incredibly to kind of like to work with the artist and be like, okay, here's where I am let's see what you do. Um, so I'm, I'm genuinely, like I like I was saying, with the new album, um, I haven't got anything done artwork yet, but he's kind of, he's very kind of in the background, just kind of working away at little ideas and stuff. So 
Can't wait Did you send any of those tracks to him before the concept was uh, visualized by Steve? Uh, for Covenant? Yeah. Yeah, so well, like, I think I sent him like the demos and stuff that we had at the time. Like I was saying, it was, mm. was kind of like half done. So whatever I had, I just, I threw it over to him and kind of just talked about like the, the, the general kind of vibe I was going for um, the whole kind of like, I kind of, I think I described him as kind of like just cold and kind of almost kind of earthy, but still with a really, really kind of ethereal kind of vibe to it. And that's how we got the whole, like, if you, if you see the artwork, there's lots of kind of trees and there's a really kind of small character, but he's walking towards this massive kind of like almost kind of celestial kind of obelisk kind of thing. It's, it's really yeah. kind of surreal. So it was that whole idea of kind of blending the earthiness of like, say, drums, guitars and vocals or drums, guitars and bass and whatever to the like the kind of the kind of almost orchestration and weird kind of synth parts. So it's, it's like the artwork is kind of mirroring that in a way. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, he did a fantastic job. He did. Uh, Ren? Yeah, uh, well, you know, the last two albums, it's all just about anything Viking. <laughs> I just I just, <laughs> I just, just sit around myself here playing around with, like, different stuff, make my own logo and artwork. And just I, a lot of the time I'll make a, a piece of artwork or something and I'll be like, I'm going to write a song about that. <laughs> you know, so it's like it bounces inspiration off each other, you know? So basically, are you saying then that you've more or less designed all your own stuff then? Yeah, really? pretty much, yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, oh. proper solo. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> the, the cover of The Wanderer, that is you as well. Yeah, yeah. Fuck so, me, man. That's some fucking art. Uh, it's, it's all computer stuff. Like, I can't draw. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get a picture of an old dude in Photoshop. And <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, 100%. And I'll get some birds from something else to bring them in. Yeah, you know, that's brilliant. Took a few filters on it. There you go. <laughs> and then, John, you went with the big guns. Shout out to Ken Coleman, man. <laughs> I've always been hopeless at any any graphic design or artwork stuff myself. My talents don't extend quite that far, so I, I acknowledge that. And I mean, they they for an albums over the year. You know, over the years, we used Paul McCarroll one time. We used Peter Rees, and. Um, Oh, Peter Rees. Um, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, Peter Rees did a 2013 album for us there a few years ago um, called Outer Angelus. And, and, uh, but I, I, I got in touch with Ken, uh, Ken Coleman for the, for the EPs the, uh, this, this time around. And um, he was dead happy to do it. He was a fan of the band, he said. And, and uh, to be honest, I didn't have a concept. And uh, I, I asked him to show me some samples of some pre-existing stuff he had with kind of some surreal landscapes. And uh, Ken gave me a, a few, few few samples of what he had, and he knew I I was planning on putting out two EPs, and then I needed pieces for two singles to go with that as well. And um, in fact, I just I've just pressed CDs there now, so there's actually a CD on the way out. Ah, of the nice. I haven't I haven't put it on sale yet, but that's coming. So that keeps, uh, you know. But going back to the question, actually, Richie, you asked is how important is the artwork? I mean, uh, in the digital age, because so many people never never pick up the CD. You know, you've got to have something eye-catching. And, and if it's just a black, you know, panel with your logo on it, it's not going to, going to excite anybody. So I think it's I think it's critical to have decent artwork. And, and um, so, yeah, as you said, getting Ken to do that for me, I was really, really happy. And on the on the other band with the grief stuff, I mean, we got we got some of the best looking artwork I think I've ever seen. Um, and and we're, I mean, literally, these were just pieces we actually bought. 
and we've we've printed posters now. We're going to be shipping posters of them, and we're printing shirts and all these other kind of stuff because the artwork looks looks so amazing from that a Russian. Was, from remind a me again, that was the Russian artist, and he had. Yeah. How did you come across it again? It was literally it's stock art. Stock it's art. A, That's it's it. Just, yeah. just stock art we found, but nobody else seemed to have. You know, we bought royalty free prints, and uh, thankfully nobody else has picked them up. And we bought five of them, and. We used them for the two EPs, and then for the compilation CD we 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 put out. Uh, we used we used them as well. It's a guy called Slava Gerge, a Russian artist, and uh, never met him, never spoke to him. But Christ, he's a talented artist, and and everybody commented on the artwork because they'd never heard of us. We were a new band, so all of a sudden, you know, people are going, "Jesus, the artwork looks good. I might listen to this." Yes, job done. Yeah. <laughs> And Ken Coleman, lads, just uh, he did work for Morbid Angel, we'd say, in the Cranberries as well. It is, yeah, it's incredible stuff. And um, also, the whole idea, the rabbit hole that is videos for your songs, be it <laughs> lyrical videos or an actual video, I'm really and impressed. What, what, John? A necessary evil. A necessary I evil, yeah. <laughs> Ren is doing a fucking brilliant job. Uh, oh, well, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just me and my tablet and a camera and a few mates and a couple of forests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go through the whole process of it, man. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I've always had a, a, a big fascination with video making and um, the one that really... Uh, kicked it for me was a paralysis video there we done just before the whole lockdown stuff and I, I kind of helped well pretty much directed the whole thing and filmed the whole thing and edited it all and I was like I, I think I might just make this a thing <laughs> that I do you know so I just got really into it and I, I have a load of mates that are in film studies school and college and that and they just give me loads of tips and hints and stuff and it's great fun if I wasn't a musician I think that's the path I'd probably follow We'd say guide me to Asgard. That's Viking footage with modern scenes. Was that you as well? Like guide me to Asgard. I'm trying to remember now. Can't even remember me on video. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that that was friends of mine. They filmed a short film, and it's brilliant. Uh, they let me use that. Yeah, it was great. But I I edited it up and chopped it up, and you know added After Effects and colors and stuff. Fucking hell, so yeah. <laughs> and it's just an interesting take. Um, for you that don't know about it, it's uh. This dude waking up in bed, he's a Viking, really. Is it? Is that the way it's portrayed in another yeah. world? And yeah, yeah, that's it. He's like he's he, he he's not able to live his true self in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Sums it up nicely. Yeah, and the ending is fantastic. Actually. I know, I love that. Like that, that's what got it for me. I was like, lads, I need this. Like you know, the Valkyrie and taking her helmet off. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you're playing it down, man. Do you I mean Jesus Christ? You've you've done a quite a few videos as well. I mean, time consumption. Where I know, I, like, uh, like I have that because the guys from um, Cassidy's Guitars are always asking me, you know, this and that, and how things are going, and they're like, we don't want to bother you because we know you live in the studio. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's grand. <laughs> Fucking hell, um, Jack. Is there something that interests you? Videos. Definitely. Um, for other kind of projects from my band and stuff, I've I've worked with a few a few people. The main one being um, Olga Kosmenko. She's oh, uh, shout out to Olga. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's fairly she's fairly good at these kind of things. Um, she's done I think two videos of my other band, and I've kind of I've 
it's something that I've always kind of wanted to to really kind of pursue, especially when it when it comes to like instrumental stuff. Like I was saying, with the with the artwork, it kind of adds context, and I'd imagine even with kind of something like a video would add even more. So um, I'm definitely planning on on kind of I'd love to do something almost animated, something kind of like not really kind of filmed, but more kind of just kind of created. And um, I think that would kind of lend itself really well. I've, I've considered the whole, especially for the next album, considered the whole kind of lyric kind of video thing, but it's, I don't think people actually sit down and watch those things. Like it's, it's either you listen to it and you like Google the lyrics on something, but you don't sit and watch a, a lyric video. So it's something I kind of want to like kind of dive a bit deeper into and see where we can kind of take it, it creatively as well as like it just kind of representing the, the music I want it to be like expand on it I want there to be a reason for it to exist as well yeah I think you hit the nail on the head there with lyric videos I think we're fucking oversaturated with them at this stage I totally agree they're they're kind of a, an expected requirement but I don't know how many people actually bother looking at mm. them you know yeah um, you haven't gone down that route John no, I mean, I, I, I do the ubiquitous required lyric video when it's there or a guitar playthrough is the other, is the other version, right? Because it's something quick and easy that we as musicians can, can edit together pretty, uh, pretty quick. I have very limited video editing skills. I've never really put time into it, but I definitely want to pursue it as a, as a medium to get, you know, some kind of a better quality video together. I think uh, maybe for the grief next time around, we, might, we might, might try and do something. But obviously with COVID, it's just been difficult. Sure, we could you know, just get some kind of stock footage and have something quite simple. But it, we, I would really like to put some time and effort into yeah. it in the future. But at the moment, it's it, like I said, it would have to be something I'd have to collaborate mm-hmm. with others on. It's not a skill I've got yeah, myself. Really. Well, there's one for you there, actually. You could name out the ones that have been overdone with stock footage. Wars, for example. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that, that one scene, I think it's in every single metal video where it's that one building that just gets blown away. By <laughs> I, I don't know how many videos I've seen that in. That's in my next video. That one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Viking on top of that one. <laughs> but how many fucking animated Japanese ones? Yeah. 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 Jesus Christ. Any more? <laughs> Are they, oh, actually, fucking horror ones, man. Yeah, blood and gore. Black and white mm-hmm. fucking horror ones there as well. <laughs> and forests. And you have to throw in a forest. <laughs> I think the the peak was that immortal video. Everything's been downhill ever since. (laughs) In relation to songs that didn't make it on the album, how hard is it to, because again, you're a solo artist, um, the inner turmoil of whether a song makes it or not. Uh, Do any of you want to take that one up? Yeah, well, I mean, like it's it's like cutting one of your kids out. You know, you're not allowed... You're gone. <laughs> I had one in particular that really, really, I don't know, it, it touched me, but it didn't make it. And I released it a couple of weeks ago. I was like, just, you know, here's a B-side. Yes, actually. I listened to it, yeah. And, um, but other than that, it's, it's usually okay. Yeah, but uh, he, he was the closest one to making it, but I couldn't, I just like, you know, had to push him on. But uh, no, it is. It's like choosing your children, eh, lads. <laughs> it's, it's, it, for me, it's kind of, you know, that whole thing of like, you have to make a decision, like say by flipping a coin, but as soon as you flip the coin, you kind of know what head you kind of want to land on. It's kind of similar to that in a sense that mm. I don't really want to excite any of them. But when I really kind of, if say I'm like, I'm put there and I have to name say six to seven tracks for the album, 
I kind of almost know which one I'm not going to include kind of thing. It, it can be kind of difficult because you're like, there's, there's definitely something there, but it's, it might not be perfectly like right for that group of songs. Mm. It, but like, it might com- be completely warranted that it's a good song, but maybe just not in that group. It may like, there's always, you always hear of like, of big bands that of like, I wrote this song maybe 10 years ago and it just, it just never fit. It, it was just never right. And then, Sometimes you're just you're like in the middle of writing a new album. And you go, wait a minute, this this fits perfectly with that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's definitely it's it's a number of factors, but it's always that kind of I don't really want to cut any of them, but I, it just it doesn't fit. John, yeah, I don't think I've ever r- written too many songs that I I say I have to pick the best six or eight out of the ten or fifteen I've got. I, I used to hear you know Metallica and others saying that that there there was no spares. This is what we had, and we we put that out. And I would say what tends to happen to me I, when I think about that is if something isn't working, I just put it aside and it, it's, it's, it doesn't get progressed. If, I, if I'm hitting a brick wall with something, I just stop with it. It's not that, it's, so basically it doesn't get finished is kind of what it is, the way it works for me anyway. And if I finish it, it means I've already put it through my quality control of, of my own brain. <laughs> It gets out, you know, and if, if, if it gets to finishing, then I'll put it out. It's, it's not that I have, uh, and, and, and it's not that I have a pile of 10 other songs that I've finished here and I haven't put out yet. Uh, if, if it's done, it, it goes out. And these days, uh, as the guys were saying, now it's so easy as an independent artist to put something out compared to trying to do it in the past where you had to have a label and you had to this, that and the other. Now you can decide I want to put it out and you put it up on the on DistroKid or your Spotify or whatever it is and it's out 10 days later. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, that's great, great, flex, great, great flexibility. So, I mean, you don't have to overthink it from that point of view. If the song is, if the song is good enough uh, in your mind, you, you know, if you decide, oh, yeah, I, I think this is something that people will like and I creatively am behind it, you can put it out and... Um, uh, you know, you do hear of people who just have stockpiles of stuff mm. and they have to sift through it. And I don't know, I'd find that really, really hard to have to go through a whole stockpile of stuff and where 90% of it is shit. <laughs> I would find that really hard to do. Maybe it's Your a, self-esteem would just plummet, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh. Maybe it's an age thing, John. It, it could be that. Yeah, it could be that. Lads, how many fucking tracks of V backed up there? I don't even want to know. I don't, I, 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 no. Ray, you're like a fucking machine there, man. And I'll have to get a new hard drive now. And merchandising, again, it's an important aspect um, of getting your product out there. Um, how hard have you looked at um, releasing T-shirts or, I don't know, branded stuff with your name on it? Yeah, I have a bunch of stuff on the way. Hopefully, Good. hopefully by by the time the album's out, like uh, Misanthropic or so now, but have T-shirts and um, stickers and badges and oh, there was something cool that they were talking about doing shot glasses. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I was like, there you go. A shot, or, uh, you know, as long as as long as you can fit a full shot of me, now I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. So something like that is though, unusual, yeah. actually. Again, yeah, it's I the know. same things that were all, it's no more than the stock footage, just the, the t-shirts. So if you get shot glasses out, man, that's a fucking good idea. Well, that sounds you about it, don't Oh, he was talking about beer cozies as well. So, I, you know, 
Very popular road in America, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the merchandise stuff over there is crazy. They got their baseball shirts and stuff. Mm. And sure, I might have one of them on soon. <laughs> You should get some. You should get some drinking horns made up. As yes, well. well, that was something I was thinking about. Right, we may, we may actually from Shay from Arabu has a few made up for me. Said so. That'd, that, that'd be cool. Be cool. <laughs> John, any? Yeah, I have. Uh, as I was just showing, I have a CD coming out because originally the EPs I put out for Faroon in the last year were were digital only. So I've. Uh, I've pressed CDs now and actually had recorded and mastered two extra songs that oh, nobody excellent. has heard. So those are, so there's, there's the, the two EPs worth of music plus two others and they're on a CD and uh, there's, as Ren mentioned, there's stickers to go with it and I'm actually getting shirts printed this week Jeez, as well. That's so, great. Um, so there's a lot going on there and with, with the grief stuff, we, 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 we put out the CD and there's, uh, as I mentioned, there's there's posters now printed and there's shirts being printed as well. So, I mean, you have to, particularly these days when we can't play gigs, um, uh, you have to keep your name out there and do all those kind of stuff. And, and you know, people people will listen to the stuff on Spotify and so on, but if they really like it, they'll go and they'll support you. They'll go to Bandcamp, they'll buy the shirt, they'll buy the CD or whatever, whatever else it is. And I think people, I mean, I'm finding it myself even these days, I'm tired of just listening to the song on Spotify or whatever. I'm actually going and buying the CD. I don't know. Again, yes. is that an age? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it might be. Because I sold all my CDs about 20 years ago, and now I'm collecting them again. And my wife is kind of going, oh, no, what is she fucking doing? But um, uh, so, yeah, I think uh, having having that stuff available, it, it's, it's, it's a missed opportunity if you don't have it, I guess, really, you know, and it's a promotional tool and all the other stuff. But... You know, metalers love love their CDs and they love their shirts and their yeah. drinking parts. You know? We are a very easy bunch to keep happy. It's <laughs> fucking true, man. It is true, yeah. yeah. Jack, have you anything different? Yeah, well, not even different. The closest thing I got to March was I got like five hoodies made up with the, the Covenant artwork on, but that was more for like, it was for me and for like the people that were involved. Oh, nice one. The, nice gesture, yeah. Kind of just more of like a, you know, those, you see those like, crew hoodies on like film productions and stuff like that it was kind of more about that but i'm kind of i really really want to jump into the whole kind of t-shirt thing for for the next album and, and this is going on not even knowing what the artwork is going to look like but like just a just like a small run of like of like a few kind of a few like small mediums and large and just see what happens see see if it actually if it actually takes off you know don't uh get any extra layers that's all i'd say from experience no no, no reason about what that. was that, i thinking i'm just gonna end up as quilts or something you know? yeah man i tell you I suppose i went down that route myself and uh, colin bulger big shout out to colin with it and uh, it's a fucking great thing to have behind you I felt weird about wearing my own merch, though. That was a That's bit strange. That's strange, man. <laughs> yeah. It's self-righteous. <laughs> and if you those problems before, wearing your own merch, no? Uh, several times. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just feel a bit weird. I feel like I'm kind of upping myself a bit. I'm a professional narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Getting your stuff out of me, okay? You made a good point there, John. We're old school with CDs and stuff. Spotify, how do you feel about it? Yeah, all your stuff is on Spotify. The three of you, actually, yeah? Yeah. There's um, a lot of bands choose to ignore that. How do you feel about ignoring Spotify? See, I have, I have this, I might have a kind of different mindset to most, especially most kind of solo artists in the sense that I'm kind of, 
I'm doing this without not even expecting, but almost wanting anything out of it. So I kind of, again, went into this recording thing because of the joy of kind of recording and, and songwriting and stuff like that. And I, I love it. It's probably the most kind of rewarding musical thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of it, like getting really kind of like successful and all that kind of stuff, I'm actually, I'm, it's strange. I'm not interested. I'm <laughs> like, and it's, and it, it comes down to that whole thing of like throughout years of doing this and stuff like that. I've, I've been a drummer, I've been a vocalist, I've been a guitar player, all that kind of stuff. And I've been in bands and, through that, I've kind of realized that the whole idea of like being in a band and touring the world and stuff like that isn't just, isn't really something that I really want to do. It was obviously something that I thought of when I was younger and stuff, but now that I'm in the really old age of 27, it's not really something that I'm interested in. I'm, I kind of, I'm just doing it just for the sheer love of it. Um, and that kind of results in me kind of going, if I don't make a dime from this, I really don't care. Yeah. Like if, if people, if people listen to it, great, that's really, really cool. But it's almost as if I've already got my satisfaction out of it by like writing it, by mixing it myself, by getting a master, by releasing it and stuff. I have this little like artistic representation of me at that specific time out there. And if I get absolutely nothing back from it, apart from the odd message going, Oh, this is really cool that's that's completely fine with me so with regards to the whole spotify thing the fact that they they pay out pretty much nothing like pretty much nothing doesn't really bother me although i completely understand coming from another perspective of like you want your music to sustain you the fact that like it's essentially giving away your music for free if not you're paying for it to be on spotify that's that's the that's a a thing that I can imagine being a bit of a no no for that. But for me, it's it's very different. It's just as long as I've finished it and I'm happy with it and it's out there, everything else is just a complete another bonus that I'm just not expecting. Yeah, you just more or less described the fucking podcast, man. In <laughs> <laughs> two years, one hundred and twenty episodes, well, I don't make any money out of it. It costs me. I don't care. Mm. But it's out there. It's my fucking joy, and yeah, it's your passion. And that's it. You know, I don't yeah. give a shit, man. Once people are happy, once I'm promoting the likes of you, giving me to an audience that fucking will listen to your music, that's my job done. That's my Thank passion, you. you know. And and shout out to you, Richie. You're doing you're doing a hell of a job. Um, yeah. Like Seriously. like nothing nothing like this was around. Like again, I'm, I'm not I'm not old, but when <laughs> I was doing the whole gigging circuit and stuff with the death metal band, nothing like this was about. And I'd imagine if it was, it would have the like. For me, kind of that Irish kind of death metal scene was really big at one point with the likes of Warpath and stuff like mm, that. And eventually band. it, like about, it was like the likes of ourselves and Bioregression, Dichotomy and, and Warpath just all seemed to have just disappeared in the space of about a year. And since then, it's it's kind of not really kind of, it's not really good. Obviously, COVID's another thing, but like any kind of news I always got from it, it was like every single band kind of sounds really similar and they've all just hit this plateau and it's not going anywhere. Mm. You can't really get to that point. Like the only band that seems to be doing really, really well in that circuit and getting more is Dead Label. But apart from that, they seem to be an outlier. Everything else is kind of just stuck in one place. And I'd imagine if something like the Metal Cell was around, say five, six, seven years ago, it would have, it definitely would have helped that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice thought. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Ren, what about Bandcamp? I mean, you're on a record label now, dude. 
Yeah, band camp. Yeah, like like the 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 labor only chatting to me the other day. Why aren't you on band camp? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and they said we'll put you on. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and now you're on band camp. Yeah, <laughs> Funny how that works out. But see, like I don't know. I mean, like I'm all for all this new, um, kind of way access to music. Because when I started off as well, there was nothing. You had to. I oh, sure I recorded my first album on a cassette tape, and I was selling it named Dorns. You know, Jesus, <laughs> <Sam> Thorn, <bro. laughs> back in the day, like so. Um, I'm happy to be able to, you know, send me stuff out and Spotify links and, and whatnot. It's just interesting. Uh, say a band now, they're a newish band called Brute, so they're dead against Spotify. So all you can you can listen to them is only on Bandcamp, and obviously you pay for your digital release and then wait for the mm. vinyl to be released. That's coming soon, but it's interesting that you know in the age of Spotify and stuff like that you can't you can't play Brute on your fucking phone through Bluetooth mm. on your car unless you buy the album on Bandcamp you know yeah. Um, yeah. bands are choosing to do that just putting their head above the parapet and going fuck Spotify this is the way we're doing it um, any thoughts on that John? Yeah I think it's a bit of a a risk not to do it because so many people have their entire album collection in their pocket now. And I speak from experience myself in that I, up till about five years ago, I didn't know what Spotify was or four years ago. I didn't know what it was, but with my day job, I have to travel a lot and it's so nice for me to have whatever I want for a long haul flight or whatever it is in my pocket. So as a consumer, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And, um, the fact that, you know, some album I couldn't find, you know, in a, on, on CD or whatever, I can now find on Spotify and, you know, bands are putting stuff out maybe that, that have been long out of press or that kind of thing. I think that's very useful. The Bandcamp side of it, I think, is brilliant for independent musicians like ourselves, where people who really want to support the band and help them to record more in the future, they can support them directly without the, the interference of, 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 of a middleman. And, for myself, I in the past, I've had labels for two or three albums in the past with, you know, good and bad experiences. And, and doing it this time independently, I think, was quite interesting. I didn't have a label involved by design. I spoke to a few and decided to put it out. And we did the same with The Grief, actually, in fact, as well. And decided, you know, to, to try try it ourselves. And I think it's worked worked pretty well. I think if you... If you're willing to put in the, you know, the social media time, which is a pain in the ass, and you become a, you know, a statistician looking at a screen, particularly this year when you can't go to gigs and, and the people in the eye. But, um, you know, so from the consumer point of view, uh, the the Spotify's and Apple Music's and all of these other, you know, you put it up on these services, it now goes to like what is it, like twenty different services or something, and it, but it costs you almost nothing, and that's 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 pretty useful. Uh, but from a, an artist perspective, you know, as Jack said, it's a, it's a you know, if you're in this for the money, you're a, you're in the wrong gig. You're you're better off becoming the the, the traveling t-shirt sales salesman we would yeah. all like to be as a musician <laughs> rather than uh, you know trying to pay off your mortgage from from um, from from Spotify. But I mean, realistically, as independent musicians right now, I think if you're not on there, it's already hard enough to get heard amongst the noise of the million other bands mm. out there. And at least, at least you have to be in there to, yeah. you know, to have to be readily accessible to somebody. Say, you know, how many times have you shared a Spotify link with somebody on your phone or on WhatsApp? It's just what people do now. 
you know, and that, whether it's a YouTube link or a Spotify link or whatever, whatever, whatever it is, and then you can put it on your car and say, oh, yeah, you know, and if I like it, then I'll go to their bank account and I'll support them. And I do that myself all the time. And I see it happening with my own music every, you know, every other day, somebody buys an EP or buys a CD or something. And, and, and um, I think if you didn't have the Spotify advertising tool, how would you lose some of that? You know? Yeah, you have to be savvy with social media. It's a fucking course. We all hate it. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but it's a necessary evil, again, to broaden your fan base. Um, I mean, how else would fans know that you're getting an album out there? Back yeah. in the old days, John, we'd be reading Kerrang! and Metal Hammer. Yeah. That's Sepultura's latest album yeah. is coming out. Mental Hammer, kind of, yeah, absolutely, yeah. with Spotify and the streaming kind of thing, it's like, the world is smaller now than it's ever been and a big part of like in regards to music and a big part of that is that whole streaming thing the fact that you can have your whole music collection in your pocket but the fact that you like to almost kind of counter that mm. you have to then add to that massive sea of music like if you're not part of that you're not going to be found but if you're part of that mm. yeah. there's a, just a tiny tiny percentage of a chance that you will be found but you've just added to that sea of Chances that you're never going to be found. It's this mental catch-22. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing as well of getting the release out there and two weeks later, you've dropped off the cliff. You have to be savvy about that as well. I mean, that's something that I that people... It, it, I mean, it, look, at it, look at ACDC, right? They dropped an album in the last year and they dropped their few videos and they did their few okay. interviews. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, because they're not touring, I haven't heard from them in, in several weeks now. And this is like the biggest rock band in the world. And there's only so much, you know, people are particularly, I guess, with the COVID era, everybody's sitting at home, everybody's shit sick of their screen and, you know, their social media feed. And, and, and there's only so much of it you can take, you know, and, and, and uh, even if, if it's happening to those big label, big names like that, as you say, Richie, if you're a small artist, you drop something. And if, if you, that's, I, I think it's an interesting thing that I saw, I saw the cult talking about it about 10 years ago. They said, we're not going to release albums anymore. Maybe it's more than 10, 10 years ago. Maybe it's 15 years ago. They said, we're not going to release albums anymore. No, they've since released like three or four albums. <laughs> Probably good at the time. Go on. They, said, they said, Ian Asprey came out at the time and said, we're not going to release albums. We're going to release capsules. I just thought it was an interesting concept at the time. It was basically, he's talking about an EP, right? We're going to put out three or four songs, and we're going to drop them out in singles, like what the pop artists do. They drop a big single with David Guetta and some random singer you've never heard of. And then it's the biggest single you've, you've ever heard, right? It just it blows up. And they, there's no album behind it. It's a single, right? And um, in my small little world, I, talking, with, talking with the grief initially and then with the Faroon stuff, I, I figured, you know, if I'm just going to, if I've got eight, ten songs, if I dump them all out there, I've blown my load and then I'm, I'm last yeah. week's news. So the idea of at least spreading it out, putting it out, for example, as two EPs, each, each EP being led by a single, then you've got four releases out of your eight songs, and then maybe you come back later on, you put them all together and you put out a compilation. There's, you know, there's another release, right? All you're doing is you're staying in people's psyche, their consciousness, and you're, you're keeping your, your, your presence, I guess. You know? You're keeping your name and pe- your brand and your name and your music in people's mind. I don't see any other way of doing it. Both of your bands have been on everybody's mind for the last year, year and a half. And, mm. it's, and it's a credit to you. There's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes for you do that, you know? Sure. But I guess the point is, if, you, if we just put them out, put them all together as one CD and dropped it... You're gone, yeah. It's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. 
done a few weeks later. Okay, um, Ren, you've heard plenty of advice there, man. You're leading into nice. that album release. What's butters? What's the thought process now, man? Are you just uh, desperate to get it out? Yeah, well, well, five days now. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't even express um, this album. I I don't think I've been more proud of anything in my life. <laughs> well, from what I've heard of it so far, man, it's fucking excellent. Uh, thanks, brother. Yeah, no, it's it's just one of those things where it just clicked. It, it just flowed out, and you know, it was the right time. And um, oh, so far it's it's been getting great, great reactions from people and stuff. And and I will um, say as well, you're working your ass off in the background, man. You've got a lot of thanks. people interested in it. You've you've got a lot of interviews and your videos. You're doing fucking everything the yeah. right way. Again, it's great to have a label behind to push you on as well, man. It's nice to have that extra bit of incentive. You know, like I've spent what the best part of two decades independent. And it's nice to have somebody just giving me a little shove of confidence, like, oh, you're, you're grand. Mm. <laughs> Go for it. So how many and, songs um, are on it? Uh, this one will have 10, right. 10 songs on this one, yeah. And then we're talking about doing like um, a vinyl compilation of all the, like re-release some of the better tracks from the last couple of albums. So still, hopefully still that'll be, yeah, hopefully that'll be out soon too. I'll be excited about that as well. I'll be just like holding it all day, <laughs> <laughs> walking around and hanging around my neck. This is me in vinyl. <laughs> Check it out. This is me. <laughs> That's great to hear, man. And uh, Jack, you you have um, a few more songs recorded, have you? Yeah. What so are you aiming for next? What's your next plan? So I'm 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 knee deep in in vocal recordings at the minute. Um, I've I've about ten songs instrumentally done. Um, so yeah, about halfway through the vocals at the minute, kind of taking it, like doing a song every two three days. Like I like I was saying, like being in the death metal band years and years ago, I was kind of like doing the heavy kind of growl vocals all the time and it was nothing to me, but taking a break of six, seven years of that kind of makes you a bit rusty. So I'm kind of, I'm being careful with that, trying to not burn myself out. But the plan is to see, I'm, I'm currently at my parents' house. I've been here for COVID for the past year or so, but the, the kind of, the good thing about that is it's out in the country and I can make as much noise as I want, as opposed to, when I'm living in Dublin where I usually am and living in an estate and stuff and I tend to be quite loud when I'm doing vocals there was a point where I was I was trialing some stuff when I was in Dublin um, and an old lady knocked at the door asking to see if anyone was being hurt or murdered and stuff I was like okay maybe I can't be around here um, so I'm, I'm, essentially I've been home waiting to go back to work I'm, I'm a bartender and it looks like it, hopefully we're, I'll be going back to work maybe July, August time, looking at that. So my plan mm. is to get all the vocals done before then. As long as I have that done, then everything else can kind of just happen as it happens kind of thing. But I'm looking at hopefully, if if all things go well, I'll hopefully be releasing it maybe the year, kind of the anniversary of the first album. So around October okay. time, that kind of thing. And like mm. I was saying, it's, it's obviously it, like because of the, the nature of the project, it's completely different to the first album. It's a really, really horrible, dissonant death metal. Loads of like, decapitated behemothy mashuggy kind of stuff going on and me like it, again it's all vocal and all that kind of stuff so it's it, i'm really looking forward to it. it's one of those things i've been working on for a while and it's uh it's something I, i'm really excited about yeah man just uh, with the tree v just hit me up anytime i'd be glad to help help you in any way Will do. is you or not awesome. so listen lads thanks a million for coming on ren jack and john 
Thank you for taking the time to fill our lives with a lot more music, man. And listen, continued success, no matter what direction you go. Uh, just once you keep it a bit metal anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, if for everybody else, hit subscribe and crucially support your local metal scene. Thanks, guys. Cheers.